he's cool. I've seen him around gay people and he's been cool. And I'm like, what does that really indicate to me though? Hi, you're listening to Under Our Roof. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Grace. And we're back with another episode. Happy Monday if you're listening to this on Monday. And happy day of the week (laughs) if you're listening to this any other time. Yeah. Today, our topic is about whether a person or kind of more aptly a a faith leader or a church. Or an organization. Or an organization can be privately affirming, as in they don't publicly say that they affirm and support queer people, but maybe they secretly feel that way. And we're going to get into that question. But first, let's catch up a little bit, Grace. So just now, we were watching The Bachelorette, Mm -hmm. and I thought that this would be a good thing for us to bring up on the podcast. Okay. Because I think we are an unlikely demographic who has regularly been tuning into The Bachelor slash Bachelorette franchise for some time. And... I think we should talk about it. Okay. Why do we watch this mindless show that we kind of never enjoy, but yet we keep tuning in for? Are we just gluttons for punishment? Why do we watch the show? Okay. Well, I do enjoy it for the most part. I'll start by saying that. But yes, we make fun of it. I mean, we started it because our best friend hosts Bachelor Night, and this year we're not watching it at her place because we're, you know, trying to social distance and not be with people in person. But that's why I don't think we would be these fans. You of think it. it's a force of habit, basically. Well, more than more than just that, but it's become something that we talk about. We have a bachelor. We're those people that have like a bachelor group thread where we have friends all weighing in um, on the bachelor, mm-hmm. and we used to watch it every week at our friend Tina's house, and our friend Michelle would watch with us, and sometimes other people as well. But that was like the core four. I still just don't like it. But you want to watch it. You want to know what's going on. You'll feel left out if the group text is blowing up about The Bachelorette and you don't know what happened. I guess that's right. Yep. There's something about hate watching. I need to dive more into the psychoanalysis of what is it about hate watching? Mm -hmm. Why? I don't especially find anything of value in this show, and yet I kind of need to know what's happening. And I thought that I could circumvent that by looking at the spoilers, because then I already know what's happened. I can kind of tune out. Mm -hmm. But then I keep watching because I want to see if the spoilers are right, because what if the spoilers are wrong? Sometimes they are wrong. But most of the time they're not. Mm. Anyway, we were just watching The Bachelorette this season. They have the oldest Bachelorette this elderly woman at the age of 39 years old (laughs) is looking for love. No, I mean, her name is Claire. She seems incredibly capable and smart and lovely to be around. I do hate watch The Bachelorette with you and the silver lining to the evening is two things. It does numb my mind, Mm -hmm. which is nice in these unprecedented times. (laughs) And also, we got to have a cheese plate and broth, which is sort of like a fall, wintry tradition that you got us started on, I think, last Mm -hmm. year. And it's just a nice dinner. It's very cozy. I know. I don't know exactly why I started this, but it's something that I really look forward to now, which is that – so I make big vats of broth, and I've done that for a while, um, where I – just basically simmer veggie scraps that I save and freeze and like 
Parmesan cheese rinds and things like that and make this really like savory broth. It's so good. I make that and that's, I've been doing that for a while, but in the last couple years, I've had these nights for dinner. It started as like a lazy dinner and now it's something that I intentionally plan out where we'll sit down with like mugs of broth. It's not a soup. It's just like a sipping broth that I make and then um, a big like cheese plate with, you know, charcuterie and stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of, you could think of it as like an appetizer, but between splitting a big cheese plate between two people and then having like a big hearty mug of broth, it's like very filling. And also who among us has not turned an appetizer into a meal? You know, if you really try hard (laughs) enough, that cheese plate is a meal. I feel like appetizers are always the best. I'm that person that orders like three appetizers for my meal and then it's actually way more than a meal because that's like a lot of food. Yeah, my point of reference for that, and I totally agree with you, mm -hmm. is going to like an Applebee's, Chili's, TGI (laughs) Friday situation and the appetizers are far and away the best thing on their I know, they're always better. The entrees will be like a slab of like chicken or fish Mm. and like steamed veggies where then they'll have like tuna tartare for an appetizer. You're like, um... What are you doing? What is the scheme that you're Yeah. Just just like roasting the main dishes at restaurant (laughs) conglomerates. Just you've got time on your side, and you are so young and so daring. Live life like there's nowhere to hide. One thing also that I wanted to mention that's kind of fun is that when this episode comes out, we are going to be on your 30th birthday road trip. I know, my 20s are over. I can't believe it. When you're listening to this, Grace's 20s will almost be over. Yeah. Because I think this should come out the Monday of our trip, Mm -hmm. and then your birthday is on the Thursday. My birthday is November 12th. I'm a Scorpio, as previously discussed in an episode. Lizzie was just pinching me because I'm a little stinging stinging Scorpio. I don't know. I I know very little about scorpions for someone who fully might get a scorpion tattoo Mm -hmm. for my star sign, which again, I've said this before, I kind of align with in some respects, but I don't think I'm as like sinister as many Scorpios. Maybe I'm privately, I think I'm privately dark in the sense that Mm -hmm. like my music is typically very, very sad. And that's just the only way I know how to be. But yeah, Yeah. it'll be my birthday around when this comes out. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to close out this decade. It's been a good one, but I'm excited to see what my 30s bring. Mm-hmm. I'm so ready for it. I feel like I'm entering my 30s actually aware of who I am or yeah. at least fully and wholly myself. I Majority of my 20s, I was not. And so it's going to be exciting to enter a new decade almost with the relief of shedding this old skin and mm-hmm. just living authentically. I have a feeling that your 30s are going to be the best decade. I hope so. Well, the best decade so far. Yeah. Uh, let's hope I don't just peek yeah. this decade <laughs> and then I have decades left. Giving up on giving up slowly, blending so you won't even know me apart from this. Let's get into the core of this episode, which has been a question that Lizzie and I have been pondering around the house, and I think it did stem from the queer Christian cover band mm-hmm. and my outreach to different Christian artists and hearing from y'all about different Christian organizations about whether or not it is possible to be privately affirming when you have a platform. And what we mean by affirming, if you are just tuning in and you aren't familiar with Grace's work on this kind of stuff, is that you as most likely a Christian or a person of faith are 
encouraging of queer people to be all that they are in their heart and to live their life, you know, living out their identity openly um, versus saying that they should change or saying that they should not live openly, basically, would be Mm -hmm. someone who's not affirming. And I wanted to do a couple of housekeeping matters before we directly answer this question or give our takes on it. This isn't something that we're always going to be talking about on this podcast. I think a lot of people are interested in it. And so we are going to talk about these type, this general area. But also, we really believe in just living our lives. I know that for some people politically, it's like queer issues are an issue. But for us, it's just our life. So we, you know, watch The Bachelorette and we (laughs) um, take trips when we can that are COVID safe. And we have birthdays and stuff. We don't sit around and just ponder the issue of us being queer. So we're not going to do that on this podcast either. And I wanted you, Grace, to talk a little bit about like the mentality of not proof texting your life and Mm -hmm. how that's, we kind of are going to do that a little bit in this podcast, but I want to give a caveat that we don't believe like that we have to constantly explain ourselves or justify ourselves. I got that expression from my friend Kevin Garcia, who also has a podcast and internet presence, and I definitely recommend checking out their work because they're just incredible, and I look up to them and the theology that they've developed surrounding being a queer person of faith. Kevin said to me one time just, I'm not really interested in proof texting my life anymore, and that struck me right at the time when I needed to hear it, because at that point, I was so busy with breaking down every single verse that was thrown at me. And if you're listening to this, you are a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and you are someone who came from faith or out of faith, you probably know the verses that I'm talking about with regards to Christianity. I should say that that's the religion that I'm familiar with. So that's where I'm going to be speaking from. I was spending so much time looking through those verses, looking through different translations, different interpretations, and where was the non-affirming theology hitting up against queer affirming theology, and how could I explain this to people in a way that was 140 characters on Twitter or in a YouTube comment in a way that they couldn't respond back with the other verses and blah, 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 blah. And you can kind of go around in circles and do that forever. And I think there's sort of a natural process of needing to go through that because I know for me doing that for a while, I would say there was about a year or two that I was really into proof texting. It was encouraging in its own way because I felt like I was able to have this very solid um, biblical foundation of truth in who I am. It was almost like reading through scripture and listening to more learned people than myself, people that came from places of knowledge, that went to uh, divinity school, that really had this strong background. It was comforting to recognize like, no, 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 I'm not crazy, you know, because all the stuff that you'll hear from people sometimes makes you feel like it's like you're crazy. Like you can't just spin the Bible in whatever way you want to make yourself feel better or something like, like all that stuff that you, that you constantly hear. Mm -hmm. But then it got to this point right when Kevin said it to me. And I think they actually said this to me while I was live on their podcast, which (laughs) is like quite a revelation to have when you're on the air effectively. And they're like, I'm just, I'm just not really interested in proof texting my life anymore. And I think I'd reached that finish line of like, yeah, I've, I've done the work. I'm really, God and me are good. We're good with each Mm -hmm. other. My foundation is solid here. I've done this work. So 
If you're coming at me and saying you don't understand who I am and how I justify it, that's a you problem. Yeah. That's not a me problem. I can point you in the direction of those tools, but I've done the work and it's my work to do. It's not Mm -hmm. yours. Rather than you coming at me and proof texting my life and throwing scripture at me, perhaps do that same level of work because it is work. There's an expression that if you are a queer person of faith, that everyone has kind of a low-key degree in theology. We do that work. We put in that time. We put in that study. And I would just advise for someone who feels differently to do that same work on yourself (laughs) and come to a different, you know, come to different conclusions about yourself rather than caring very deeply about me and my marriage and my life and how I present to the world and who I am with God. So that's what I would say about proof text. I know that's like a long-winded answer, but I no, think I it's... No, I wanted the long version. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Because I think that's really important that when people come at you, and usually it's online because we don't really see those types of people like around the neighborhood here in West Hollywood, but what, every now and then when you see like a comment on a YouTube video of us or something like that, that's like, oh, they're sorry, like, this is, they seem nice, but, like, I have to tell them that, like... Or they seem mean, and I have to tell them. <laughs> well, I, it's weird, because I see comments like that, like, on our, we have a, um, our wedding video is on Refinery29's YouTube, and, like, I rarely go and read the comments on that. I probably I never do. I, like, almost never do, but a couple times I have, and they're mostly positive, but there's definitely people that are, like, yikes, like, I hate to be the one to tell them, but, like, they're going to hell, and when stuff like that happens, I'm just kind of like, okay, that would be every day. I could seek out, like, people saying things like that every single day and spend my entire life just, like, responding and, like, trying to defend myself. Whereas for them, I get the sense that it's, like, a passing thing. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, today I'll just, like, shoot out some comments yeah. to, like, tell people they're going to hell. This wedding then- video popped up in my recommended while I'm just sipping my matcha, having some tea. <laughs> I don't think they're drinking matcha. Okay, I feel like matcha, while people I'm who drink matcha are nice. Having my Dunkin' Donuts, I don't know what <laughs> I mean, it- I have nothing against Dunkin'. I know, I can't think of what is the homophobic coffee. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Instant Let us coffee, know. maybe? Oh, my gosh. Is it Folgers? Maybe. Sorry, um, wait. No, no, drink no. That? Please, Folgers might want to sponsor us. We have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea. They could be doing a lot for the gays. We're not we don't sure. Know. When you see comments like that, you do it is passing for them it's the sort of thing that could reside in us we could always seek that stuff out Mm -hmm. but that's someone who just feels like man i'm really crushing it in life right now um god is loving everything that i am doing so i gotta let people know like like you are going to hell click send and on with my day i know hope those lesbians you know get some sunscreen because it is going to be hot down there (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna fry (laughs) they're gonna really fry they look nice but they're gonna burn shoot we cannot grapple with this subject all the time like you kind of do it and then you're like you know what i it's also not why you're listening to this podcast we said that we wanted to create a space for people to just feel like they're coming over for dinner with your your queer family, you know, and that's mm-hmm. really what we want to offer here and keep things pretty light. But there are some questions that I think it's worth addressing and things that we've thought through. And this is something that we've been talking about recently because mm-hmm. of um, dealing with people who seem to be 
privately affirming or like allegedly affirming like there are rumors that they're affirming and that kind of brings me to my second housekeeping point that i wanted to cover and i want you to time me because i'm going to try to explain something in 30 seconds okay 30 seconds But but before we get to that a lot of times when we talk about let's say like a church community maybe a famous mega church or something like that is not affirming meaning that they may say oh everyone's welcome of course but then if you would get involved and you'd be openly gay they would say okay We're not going to not let you through the doors, but you can't, you know, serve on any sort of leadership thing. Like, if you want to get married, you can't do that here. It might be legal in the state, but it's not okay in our church and that kind of stuff. And I think that sometimes people are baffled, like, why are you going on a crusade against people just living out their faith? Like, just let them do it. They're not bothering you. If you don't want to be involved with them, don't be. And I want to explain why it matters, because I absolutely do not care to go on a crusade (laughs) of like, you're not allowed to be homophobic. Like, no, some people are homophobic. And I don't agree with that. But I also recognize that I'm one person and I can't really change that. But I do think that if you are a person or you are a representative of a church or a community and you know that like, hey, our policy is that you cannot be openly gay and really have a meaningful experience here, then you need to be open about that. And I'm going to explain why, but you have to time me because okay. it could be so long. So I want to see if I can do it in 30 seconds. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So it matters because people in churches and organizations that are not affirming will often try to gaslight queer people, meaning make ga- make queer people feel like they're crazy by saying, oh, well, that's just what Christianity is. You can't change Christianity. But the problem is that that's not what a lot of people believe. There's a big debate. It's not a foregone conclusion that Christianity is anti-LGBTQ+. And in fact, there's tons and tons of affirming Christians. And that's why it matters, because If you're a person of faith who is queer, you should be able to easily find a community because there's plenty of them and not get confused in the weeds of this sneaky church that wants to like take you out to coffee and talk about their heart on the issue of whether it's okay to be gay and ultimately tell you that it's not and they can pray for you. Like you should be able to avoid those places and find a place where you're going to be welcomed. All right, it was 55 seconds, so I let you oh, go really? over. <laughs> I thought you were, you were on a roll. Me. I didn't want to stop you. You were on a roll. You were explaining <laughs> it so well. I think the other thing that I was hearing from you mm-hmm. is just allow people, queer people, people who are members of the LGBTQ plus community to make an informed decision about their place of worship. Yeah, because that is what it comes down to. And yeah. if you are not being open and overt about what your stance is, then you are robbing them of that opportunity. And I can't really think of anything that is more sort of insidious than that. That is a special, unique Christian cruelty, a special flavor of Christian cruelty to deprive someone of a holistic faith experience because you're afraid of a PR nightmare. And I think that that's what it comes down to with a lot of these mega churches and these celebrity pastors and these Christian artists in prominent positions not using their platform to make it clear how they feel, and what they believe. And finally, we are getting agency. We are making podcasts, baby. (laughs) We're going on TikTok. We're taking to Twitter. Those of us who have been affected by this negligence, I guess, to say it mildly, to put it even more strongly, just downright discrimination and homophobia and transphobia, we're finally speaking up. 
And maybe someone will even listen this time. <laughs> I have, honestly, we're still testing if any of this works, <laughs> but we're trying. When a queer person, a trans person, somebody in the LGBTQ plus community emails a church and is like, I would like to go to your church. And that's despite how much I've probably been hurt. I'm speaking as like someone in the community, which I am, but there's many people with different experiences than I have. They're basically saying like, yeah, despite all the hurt and despite everyone saying that I'm wrong and I'm going to hell or whatever, I still want to go to church and I'm overcoming all of that. And then to get an email from a church, because a lot of times people email and Mm -hmm. say, hey, are you accepting? And they'll say, yes, everyone is welcome at our church. And then they get there and like two years later, they find out, oh, you've been talking behind my back and you've been Mm -hmm. denying me the opportunity to get more involved. And I didn't really know why. And it's just so sad because those are the people that like aren't just going to church by force of habit or out of, like, familial obligation. They're people that really want to be there, like, potentially more than a lot of other people, you know, because they're overcoming, like, how hard it is as a queer person to go to church. Like, they still want to go, even though what they've probably been through. And then to, to, like, make them feel like they don't fully belong is sick. Yeah, I agree. And I think that... When we look to people with platforms in positions of power who can affect change, I do not think it is possible to be privately affirming. Mm-hmm. You know, that gets to the heart of our question that we want to answer. Yeah. So you're like, no, you cannot be privately affirming. No, I don't think that you can be within a position of power. Mm-hmm. I understand that if you are someone who could be harmed, you could mm-hmm. lose significantly by coming forward with your stance then I understand to a degree. But if you are someone who have come to power through faith, there's so much hurt in this country and one community who has been disproportionately disenfranchised and oppressed and marginalized by Christians are people in the LGBTQ plus community. Right now, we are members of the least among us. To not say anything to that, to lift us up, to encourage us, to just choose silence on this discussion, on this topic, um, is wrong. It's absolutely wrong if you feel differently. If you feel like we Mm -hmm. should be affirmed, encouraged, and celebrated for who we are, holy in Christ, then you need to get on your damn microphone (laughs) and say it. Mm-hmm. take to Twitter. I really don't care. I mean, that's why, like, I have been saying, like, these kind of tongue-in-cheek challenges, like, Toby Mac, say gay rights challenge. Would you say it? I don't know. I don't know. Everyone's like, I feel like he's cool. I don't know why I keep using Toby Mac as an example. I think it's because I did kind of think, as a lot of people were telling me on TikTok, that Toby Mac seemed cool when I was doing the queer Christian cover band covers of DC Talk and Kevin Max was extremely cool. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll hear from Toby Mac. And we didn't. But a lot Mm -hmm. of people still were saying, he's cool. I've seen him around gay people and he's been cool. And I'm like, what does that really indicate to me, though? what you say really matters. So Mm. if you're saying, I have gay friends, that's a fun fact. But (laughs) that's that's, a fun fact. Yeah, That's like your fun fact. If like go in the room and say where you're from and your name, but you know, yeah, 
I'm this person and I am I have lots of gay friends. Yeah. That is not being an ally. And I think that I mean, I don't speak for any other communities, but I think that like other communities probably could relate to the idea of like just being like friendly mm-hmm. is not the same thing as standing up for people. And in fact, sometimes actually you and I were talking about this on a walk recently that sometimes it's like being a nice, quote unquote, a nice person actually can get in the way of true, like, radical inclusion. Mm. Because not that you can't be nice and be radically inclusive, but sometimes people are kind of indignant, like, they can't be called out about anything because, like, they're nice. They're nice to everybody. Right. And it's like, okay, you're nice in maybe your interactions with people, but behind the scenes, you're willing to throw them under the bus. Yeah. And I think that there is this sort of respectability that we need to break down because true justice in this country is not going to be polite and it's Mm -hmm. not going to be nice. Radical change has not been accomplished from people just being nice. It came from people taking a stand, often taking to the streets and saying that this is not okay and we've had enough. Not just like, excuse me, like, if you could please recognize my personhood. (sighs) Just wondering, it'd be so nice if you could dignify me by recognizing my humanity. Like, no. And And I think that especially now in 2020, we sort of see that narrative parroted from the people on the right in this country about like, just be nice you know, we have to get things done the nice way. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about radical change, radical inclusion and justice, it's just, it's not going to be a nice and easy conversation because it means that someone has been um, the victim of harm Mm -hmm. caused by another demographic. And that's, you can't just ask people to be nice about seeking to repair what has been broken. Yeah. It's one thing if you maybe, you know, you're a teenager living at home under your parents' roof and your parents are not affirming. And if you make a really loud stand about that, then you may lose housing or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's completely different. Yes. Like, that is completely different than a megachurch pastor who behind the scenes says, yeah, I'm cool with gay people, Mm -hmm. but... I don't know if my congregation will really like that. So I can't say anything. Or my That's, funding. Or my, yeah, well, congregation is your funding. But, but I mean more like the funding of church, um, like in, in the diocese. Yeah. In the diocese and how that plays into what churches are willing to say and what they're mm-hmm. not willing to say. Like we know a few mega churches who you wouldn't think would be affiliated with certain denominations that are actually affiliated and that plays a major role into how they receive their funding and towing the line to whatever doctrine is like mm-hmm. decided by that diocese is important to them. I think I mean this is such like a bigger conversation that people are having nationally where you know about cancel culture and that kind of stuff. And I, I want to make clear, no one is saying that people are not entitled to whatever they want to think, or people mm-hmm. are not entitled to say, I read the Bible as saying this, and you know they may try to gaslight you and say anyone would read the Bible as saying that, which is not true. A lot of scholars and also regular people don't read it that way. Uh, but anyway, they may say, okay, I read the Bible this way, and that means that Grace and I shouldn't be able to be married and we shouldn't have a family and all of those things that is 
very stressful and sad to have be on the line. I'm not saying that people can't think that. I'm really not. I, mm. I don't want them to. It makes me sad. But I understand people are going to believe what they believe. The thing is, though, we also, we being queer people, marginalized people of all kinds, have a right to surround ourselves with only people who truly affirm mm-hmm. us. And we have a right to cut other people out of our lives. And you may say, oh, well, that's not being very tolerant. And it's like, at a certain point, when it comes down to, yeah, recognizing people's humanity, wanting people to be able to be and have a family or not, that's very different than mm-hmm. saying like, oh, I disagree on tax plans or I disagree on this. And I know that people can say, oh, well, that affects people's ability to have a livelihood and have a family too. It's a little different than you literally can't be married yeah. legally. Again, I think what we keep coming back to is just allowing queer people to be making those informed decisions for themselves and to allow us the freedom of religion in a place that is just like yours. If you feel celebrated for who you are at your church, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy for you. Even if the theology is different than what is taught at my church, at least allow other queer Mm -hmm. people to find spaces where they are affirmed and encouraged just like you are at your church. We're not asking for your church to change what it is preaching, even though we disagree with it. We're just asking for you to extend the same dignity that has been extended to you at yours, where you know exactly where you stand with that pastor. You know, you have not been asked to go out to a little lunch so that there's nothing on the books about what the policies are about your inclusion. We have had to go through those things. We have had to find out the hard way about how church policies have been designed to exclude us. And if you haven't had to deal with that, that's amazing. Allow us that same dignity in our own spaces. And the way to do that is to be open about if you are affirming or not. No, I love all people. That wasn't the question. Yeah. The question is, do you affirm and celebrate LGBTQ plus identities for being holy in Christ and offering them every opportunity that a straight cis person would have at your congregation? That's the question. It's a yes or no. It really is a yes or no. That's the crazy thing. Like there cannot be a maybe or like a well it's more complicated than that Mm -hmm. it's one of those truly yes or no questions and that's what's so infuriating some churches are toxic and my advice would be to get away from them and speak out against them if you have the opportunity because now more than ever you have a support system You know, you have people that are out there rooting for you and you're not alone. More than likely, someone else has a shared experience with you. And I hope that through finding people on social media, it it serves as encouragement that you are not alone and don't feel isolated. You know, Mm -hmm. let's all come together with this shared religious trauma and talk things out and hold people accountable. I think we have an opportunity to do that now more than ever before. So this has kind of been a conversation that we've been having under our roof, and I'm happy that we were able to have it with you today. 
I hope it was encouraging if it could be. I try I always try and end on like an encouraging <laughs> note, but the truth is is that yeah, we are we are up against um some behemoths of faith right now, but so long as we continue to speak truth to power, I believe in us and I believe in you and it will be okay. My mom always used to say, I mean she's fully still alive, so <laughs> she still says this, but she always say, in the end it'll all be fine and if it's not fine, it's not the end. Right now, things are not fine, which means that it's not the end. So we have to continue fighting this particular fight if you feel called to it. But like I said, I believe in us and I believe in you and I think we can do it. And I think we're making a good start. Yes. So let's pack up and move to California. So somebody wrote in and they wanted to know our take on the Pope coming out and saying that he supports LGBTQ plus people and that they can, they should be able to be a family. He said civil unions, right? Yeah, that's the thing. So we got this question and I apologize. We probably won't be able to spend that much time on this just because we are not Catholic and I really don't know a lot about Catholicism at all. Mm -hmm. I always think that I understand it, but then whenever I learn something about it, I'm like, oh, I don't understand that at all. Okay. Um, Anyway, nothing against it. I just was not raised in that tradition. Um, But yeah, I I read about the Pope saying that he thinks that um, queer families should be able to be families. And I... I don't want to be a downer, but I don't think that just saying, I don't think that saying like they should have something different than every other couple Mm -hmm. is that great. But I don't know. Again, maybe I just am not understanding the situation with the Pope. I don't really get how the Pope works or what that that means. Okay. I took this news to very similarly how I felt when Taylor Swift came out with You Need to Calm Down. (laughs) Just like, oh. Which was, it's good. It is a net good thing. Okay. This news is good. Mm -hmm. It is a positive step in the direction of LGBTQ plus rights and being dignified within the society that we've been born into. Is it my favorite news? Like, am I going to throw a huge party? Do I wish that there was more to the Mm -hmm. news? Um... At times, did I find, like, the general decor around the news a little confusing? Yes. Just like with the You Need to Calm Down video, (laughs) I thought this was a little bit of an extra announcement that ultimately left me encouraged, but underwhelmed when I heard Mm. that the Pope made an announcement on gay rights. I feel like Swifties are going to come for us. I love Taylor Swift. I do. I have. Okay, listen. Swifties can never come for me. Because I have a Taylor Swift quote in my senior yearbook. I was about to say that was I thought Michael you were Jordan, s- Calvin Hobbes, and Taylor. Calvin and Hobbes and Taylor Swift. Those are the three people, four, including Calvin and Hobbes, that were quoted in my yearbook. Most so people have one senior yearbook. You know what? I quote. couldn't I couldn't choose. It okay. I thought that it encompassed all all facets of my personality. Swifties can never come for me, okay? Because I have a complicated history with Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. but it is rooted in love and adoration. Okay. Like I was showing everyone in my school her videos, her live performances before it was like a thing when she like ripped the sweatshirt and t-shirt thing off on the stage to reveal a dress and she was like in the rain mm-hmm. for um you should have said no. Oh my gosh. Like I I don't know listen, what you're talking about. Exactly. My view of Taylor Swift is similar to Catholicism. Like I know that it's out there. I know that there's a lot of followers. <laughs> But I don't know a lot about it. 
Incredible. Um, I guess to answer that query letter, mm-hmm. I did find the news encouraging. Would love to see further steps be made. However, for my own mental sanity at this point, if it is a net good thing, then I'm like, hell yeah, net good. We're happy. This is positive. We are taking steps in the right direction. So okay, we did see the news. Yeah. And that's how we felt about it. All right. We really appreciate you listening. As always, um, please rate and review us. <laughs> Why can I not say this normally? Um, yeah, if you could <laughs> rate and review our podcast, that would really help us grow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that from now on. <laughs> Why can I? I like start to say it normally. And try like, and say it with a... T- try and like, to- like lawyer it. Say it like you're... No, I can't. Okay. It's too serious. Try it. Just, like, just give us one take like that. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. We would really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and review. If you like our podcast, the best way that we can grow is through that or even better, telling a friend that you think would like it. That was amazing. Well done. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. For my sweet old-fashioned babe. For my sweet old-fashioned babe. So come